0: Hello, welcome to Overburn, the podcast for poster workers. I'm Kevin Hitchings.
1: And I'm Brandy Hughes.
0: We're releasing this one on a weird day because our schedule has all been messed up lately. So I don't know, maybe we'll get back into a regular rhythm at some point, but for now we're just going random.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. We've been really busy with union functions lately and it's been impossible to maintain a regular schedule
0: (laughs) and just life in general as usual.
1: Um, anyways, today we wanted to talk about Bill C-45, the West Ray Bill. Uh, before we get too far into it, I just want to make note that the our federal government uh, reuses bill numbers. So in 2021, Bill C-45 referred to a bill re- related to the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act regarding uh, the use of cannabis. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about... Um, the legislation that amended the criminal code in 2004.
0: Uh, This came from a mining accident. Um, A very large number of health and safety complaints were filed, Uh, inspections were done, showing that mine shafts had collapsed in this coal mine. Management didn't care, they sent people in anyway. There was almost no ventilation. Management didn't care, sent people in anyway. Uh, There were weird smells, the air quality was very poor, management didn't care, sent people in anyway.
1: Dangerous levels of coal dust.
0: Yeah, and uh, coal dust is dangerous by itself. Uh, The methane that ended up leaking into the... It's
1: highly flammable.
0: Yeah, the methane leaking into the mine shafts uh, is what caused an eventual explosion. Uh, Killed 26 people and the company didn't even bother to recover all the bodies. I think 15 were actually recovered. And until that point, there wasn't really much anyone could do to a corporation. They tried to charge a couple of the mine supervisors, managers there with uh, criminal negligence and manslaughter. And uh, basically there wasn't enough evidence to say that it was them and not the corporation and the charges were dropped. So 26 miners lost their lives and there was virtually no accountability for it.
1: And I think it's worth noting that it's not that these it's not that these um, inadequacies in the mine were unknown, like there had been numerous complaints by employees, by officials of the union and by government inspectors saying that there were issues that needed to be fixed in this mine and they were just disregarded by the corporation and uh, and this is the result.
0: Yeah, and miners were basically told tough, if you don't like it, you're fired. And at the time there was no protection for complaining for health and safety uh, violations. There was nothing to protect you from from employer retaliation, there was no right to refuse. It was just do your job or get fired. And uh, like I say, even if something happened, the corporation wasn't really held accountable for anything.
1: And as Kevin said in the initial um, investigation, they weren't held accountable either. Um, the There was a Royal Commission uh, in 1998 to re-examine the incident and they made 74 recommendations based on what happened. Um, which led to the, the Westray bill.
0: Yeah, and prior to this, something like manslaughter was really the only uh, course which is pretty hard to apply against a corporation. Uh, the only real movement to help workers before this, to help workers before this, is it used to be commonplace for corporations to put in uh, their budgets when they're bidding on government bills. They'd say, you know, X million dollars for material X many dollars for for labor, X many dollars for loss of life, funeral expenses and things like that.
1: Hmm. That's disturbing when you see that on like proposals for like building a bridge or a building or something. And there's that line that's like, you know, this much for Hmm. paying out, you know, loss of life or dismemberment or whatever. And you're like, should you maybe not be planning for people to be (laughs) killed or injured on your work site?
0: Yeah. If you look up these (laughs) old contracts, that was standard. Mm -hmm. And uh, on major construction projects, um, you know, something like 10% of your workforce dying, we just budget for that in case. 20% maybe, you know, hope we don't lose that many, we shouldn't, but let's budget for it just in case.
1: It gets even sadder when you think about things like how the railway was built coast to coast in this country and how many of those deaths were essentially considered free because those people had no value to the people building it. Yeah, and the railroad,
0: they weren't even counted as a line item, I don't think. Right. But uh, eventually the government said, you know, this is unacceptable, we're only going to accept bids that have zero uh, death rate. And if somebody dies, the government does not pay for that part. That comes out of your profits. So there was a bridge, uh, I can't remember what the original bridge between it was done on, it was a huge government contract between Canada and the States. WCB conference where I heard about this and they were talking, uh, I believe it was in the triple digits or at least close was the expected number of deaths. And when the government said, no, we're not paying for any of those, They said, well, it's impossible. The government said tough. And they revisited all the safety procedures and there were zero deaths on that project, you know? And uh, even then when it was shown, the companies can do something if you take proper precautions, nothing was really done until this Westray law came in.
1: So the reason the Westray Westray bill was important is because it made these violations To the point where you could prosecute them under the criminal code so before that any any complaints about workplace safety went through your labor or workers compensation board and that varies province to province so um there was there wasn't really a national way to other than other than the canada labor code um, there wasn't really a national way to um, complain about that or to or to really have any kind of any kind of serious consequences for these um injustices well
0: you, there's no nothing to prevent you had to wait until something happened and then when somebody died you can hope maybe the police decided to charge him with manslaughter or something mm-hmm. but you know when there's just an accident at work uh who do you assign blame to and now you can just assign blame to the corporation you know um yeah. and the individuals it can be corporations or individuals That's anyone who directs the work of others can be charged.
1: So that's not just including your boss. That's including their boss. That's including the corporation, the CEOs of the corporation.
0: Um, In theory, if a supervisor allows or forces somebody, and that's the thing, they don't even have to force somebody. They can just be knowingly negligent um, just for allowing something to happen. If a supervisor allows something, they can be charged. If they say, well, my boss told me I had to do that. Their boss can get charged if their boss says, "Well, I'm just following, you know, corporate direction." Then the corporation CEO, whoever set that policy, can be charged, and it should be that person and everybody up the chain.
1: Yeah, it could be a was, board of directors. Or could something be like
0: anybody, that. and the point is, it could be everybody.
1: Yep, and most and, likely it should be. And
0: should be if it was something foreseeable. Definitely, everybody should be charged in that chain. You know, if uh, if they're doing something they know is likely to cause injury. Then everybody is responsible for that, but uh, no corporation or no managers who are allowed to just pass the buck up and up the chain. Yeah.
1: So because uh, this is in the the Criminal Code of Canada, uh, it can apply to federal, provincial, municipal governments, corporations, private companies, charities, and non government organizations. So right. I guess that's if the our key. union was. Uh,
0: yeah, That's the key. Essentially, the any or, any organization. So even volunteers, if you're directing the work. Um, in theory i suppose even on like a family farm if you're directing a family member i suppose in theory that would apply there too even technically
1: and and this is no longer being enforced by your wcp this is enforced by the police by crown attorneys and if there's a serious accident they step in and investigate and determine if charges are going to be late
0: well one of the problems here is uh, a lot of provinces do have some form of worker protection Mm-hmm. Which again is after the fact, and the police, of course, have the um, or the prosecutor has the discretion to say whether they're charging provincially or federally. The uh, federal one has a lot of teeth, fines can be literally unlimited mm-hmm. um, for
1: serious offenses. Yeah,
0: for individuals, they can give you 10 years for a serious injury that you've caused or life imprisonment if it's death, and fines are unlimited. And then they also have. Um,
1: the standard is, I read that the standard was $2,000, but in extreme cases, it could be unlimited.
0: Yeah. And then for corporations, uh, the corporations put on probation, there can be a criminal record. I don't know what a criminal record really does to a corporation. I suppose it stops you from bidding on certain contracts or something, like some probation.
1: Well, probably. And
0: again, the unlimited fine uh, is a possibility.
1: So there's a number of things that the courts would consider in determining what the fine is. Uh, one of them is the moral blameworthiness, so whether the corporation had a great financial gain to what they chose to do and whether they planned for it to be, like they were knowingly allowing this risk to occur.
0: This is something that car companies in the U.S. have been charged with in the past, um, where they say, yeah, we know there's a defect on our car. The the Pinto was the only two percent
1: of the seatbelts fail, so that's an acceptable level yeah. of death. If yeah, if two
0: percent of the seatbelts <laughs> fail, it's going to cause one percent of our drivers to die, and you know half of those percentages will actually sue us, and then half of that percent will actually uh, win. So this what? is what their average winnings are going to be compared to the cost of what it's going to cost to make, and that's how they make the decision. Was
1: the Pinto the one that caught fire? Was that Pinto made? was
0: the one it had a bolt. That if you hit the car at a ridiculously slow speed, something like it was down to like ten miles an hour or five miles an hour, something like stupidly like walking speed almost. If you hit it from behind, the this bolt could pierce the gas tank. Oh. And then if the gas was below that level, so that there was vapor mm-hmm. above where that bolt hit, mm-hmm. and Phenical. yeah, any kind of spark. So these cars were literally getting hit from behind <laughs> at walking speed. Bender benders. Well, people were dying in explosions and and the and burning in these cars. And uh, Ford did their analysis of it, and uh, it was something again, ridiculously small. something like four bucks or something ridiculous to fix the thing. Oh. And they said, well, four bucks times X many calls, That's but then life you have is to worth
1: four dollars. Well,
0: to, and then you had to get the mechanics to do it on the recall. So it adds up. But what's even worse is the new ones coming off the line. It's four dollars in additional cost. They didn't even fix the new ones coming off the line where it wouldn't cost any significant extra labor to put this, uh, basically a cap over top of these bolts. Um, so yeah, that's how some corporations treat things. It's, you know,
1: uh,
0: that one ended up costing them a crap ton in the end, uh, as it should have.
1: One of the other considerations for the, the, um, punishment is public interest. And this one concerns me because they talk about, The need to keep the organization running, and that is something that always comes up when we talk about Canada Post, like our employer, is that oh we're such a we're such a important an integral part of Canadian society. Businesses rely on us. People, just homeowners, rely on us. Everybody expects their bills, and the world would fall apart if the something happened to the corporation or we stopped delivering the mail. And yes, I get it, where it's important, but. I hate to think that they would be overlooking or minimizing the punishment for things because we're just so important. Yeah. If we're that important, it's important that we're healthy and able to do the job tomorrow, not just today.
0: That's the logic behind the too big to fail idea too. They didn't let the banks fail in the States. They didn't let car companies fail in Canada because they're too big. It would affect the economy too much. You know, if I go bankrupt, it's going to affect my life a heck of a lot and no government's coming to bail me out, but we'll bail out the corporation with millions or billions of dollars of taxpayer money. That's fine. They won't help. Thousands of people get drinking water because you know there's less liability.
1: So, in addition to the moral blameworthiness and the the public interest of keeping the corporation running, there's also the prospects of rehabilitation. So that uh, considers the roles of the employees or managers in the crime and whether they've previously been convicted of similar or the same um, violations. And then should almost
0: be though should they have been convicted of previous? Because you know if you're ignoring. 20 workplace inspections or things like this, you know, yeah. th- you've shown a pattern. It's not, Oh, you've never actually been caught before. It should be, you've shown a pattern of negligence and putting people at risk. This is the time you got caught. you know.
1: Well, and to me, yeah, you're right. Like if, if, if there were even complaints that didn't go anywhere, it's like, well, maybe we should have looked at those complaints a little more. And now that's something has actually happened, yeah. you know, that those should be considered.
0: There's a difference between I had a complaint and, I forgot about it or i messed up and i've had years to address an issue and just didn't give a crap about the lives of my workers
1: you know and the fourth criteria is restitution so that's whether they've made an attempt to compensate victims or their families um whether they've tried to alter their um, practices to prevent future injuries or deaths and uh whether they've attempted to hide what happened because that's definitely a no-no
0: that one bothers me a lot uh Because to to leave the health and safety issue for a minute, this happens a lot of times when someone is harassed out of employment or unjustly fired. A lot of times they'll say, "Well, here we'll we'll pay you out a little bit extra or something like that," Mm -hmm. Uh, or "We're sorry, here's here's some kind of gift or whatever like that," and they will say, "Hey, we made amends. This person can't sue us or whatever," you know, because we they accepted some little bit of bonus. So here they're saying, you know. If you try and make amends, you know, someone dies, you pay their family X amount of bucks whatever, which they may really need. They just lost their income source, Mm -hmm. you know, insurance doesn't pay out that day. But if the corporation pretends they're sympathetic, throws out a little bit of money, then the law says, oh, you paid. So don't worry about it, you know? And
1: I don't know know if it would get them off the hook, but it might reduce the fines,
0: but it's kind of like setting your own fine, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of skipping the whole process
1: yeah it's dirty you know uh
0: it, the corporation has a choice of paying a few thousand dollars as long as it's not insignificant and the court's supposed to consider that as well they you know they pay this fine and they tried i don't think that and they tried should count when they didn't try to save the person's life in the first place
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that one to me is particularly egregious so obviously since 2004 when this uh law came into place All the employers of Canada have been super scared and taken health and safety (laughs) super serious and not a single death has happened because of this law (laughs) being enforced so strictly.
1: Oh, God. You're hilarious.
0: Not exactly. Um, I saw stats for Nova Scotia alone that said since this law has been introduced, 458 deaths had happened. Ouch. One charge was
1: laid. That's... No, that's not right. That can't be right. You no, know, and there's, there's <laughs> going to be, you know, I'm sure
0: so sad. I'm sure some of those were, you know, taxi drivers or something just getting to vehicle accidents. It wasn't necessarily the employer's fault, but there's no way 458 <sighs> people died and the, their employers were never accountable except for one instance. Um, it's ridiculous. It is um, ridiculous. In fact, since this law has been introduced, uh, charges and laid 23 times only. So we're looking at a record of not that much more than once a year someone is actually charged. Um, There's been 13 charges against corporations, 17 charges against individuals. So obviously more than one charge, per instance, sometimes Um, only nine successful convictions total um, in 19 years and you know i don't know the details of all of them i'm, I'm guessing a bunch of them are because of the last criteria brand mentioned where the courts say well we'll dismiss this that's already been rectified by the corporation paying out something i don't know and the penalties are ridiculous to be honest uh, i'm looking at the list uh the usw if you do a search and look at their site it has a list of all the cases a summary uh, the united steelworkers
1: by ridiculous, you mean that there's no way the penalties offset the damage that was done to the individuals, the workers? No, not even close. Right. They have
0: what's called okay. a victim surcharge, uh, which I believe is a fine paid to the, the family. Here's an employee who, who.
1: Surcharge? It makes it sound like a nominal fee.
0: Kind of is, considering the losses they take, right? The uh, There's one at the a concrete company here. Uh, someone's crushed to death after they disabled the guarding system. And they had no inspection system and no and inadequate safety training. Uh, the company was fined one hundred and ten thousand, which sounds like a lot, but for a company, not that much. Ten thousand for victim surcharge, we're looking at one hundred and twenty grand for a company.
1: And um, someone died.
0: Uh, a lot of these, somebody died. Yeah, and it was you know they basically re- removed the safety equipment. Two years less a day uh, for having someone crushed to death. Uh,
1: that's an argument for that resolution we were just talking about today about how um, mechanics on uh, working on uh, hybrid or electric vehicles should be trained by the manufacturers of said vehicles. Well, those manufacturers are going to be all about their safety features and how important they are and how, why they're there, right? Yeah.
0: like so. There's there's some that are fairly high. This one is a $1. $1.4 million fine and a $420,000 $420, victim surcharge and then another 805,000 restitutions, that's to a gold mining corporation. Um, So it's a lot of money.
1: It's a literal gold mine.
0: (laughs) But I don't think it's enough for the corporation to care that much. You know, here's one $115,000 total uh, for a quarry operation.
1: Uh, You You get the feeling that they're still sitting there in their CEO meetings going, well, it cost us this much, but we still made out ahead, so it's still win. High fives all around.
0: Yeah, here's right? an RV rainbow concrete uh, employee construction company was operating a dump truck, uh, archway collapsed under the truck, crushing the employee, uh, they, they did pay 200,000 in a victim surcharge, which is good that they're taking care of the victim's family, I guess, but the actual fine. So what the government thinks this or the courts thought this crime was worth of killing an employee, $1,000.
1: Ridiculous. You know, it's kind of disgusting that, like we just talked about how the funds are standard at this, but for really egregious offenses, there's no limit, but apparently the the no limit doesn't really come into play because, you know, like everything else in our society, the people lobbying, those in charge are the corporations who are like, well, don't punish us or we won't support you. I
0: mean, look at this list. It's almost all mining companies too.
1: Mining is dangerous.
0: But there, you know, there's a lot of small companies that just don't care. Um, I've worked at some of them in the past.
1: Look at our company. They just don't care. Look at how they handled COVID. I
0: was at one place where they'd be like, you know, there's a 20 pound box. That's on the third level of scaffolding. Just climb up there and get it. Uh, Where's the ladder? Well, I don't know. It's being used. Just climb up there and get it. You know, which which was kind of fun when I was 22, but (laughs) not exactly smart or wise. That
1: kind of thing is probably the reason we have that young workers training program now where kids can go and learn about their right to refuse and their right to be informed about the risks and all of those things that have come out of the Westray incident.
0: I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but right to refuse is one of the things that came specifically out of this too and other Mm -hmm. recommendations. Uh, the right to refuse and the um, and restrictions on punishing people for complaining or refusing.
1: Whistleblower you know? protections. Yeah,
0: whistleblower yeah. protections, exactly. Yeah. So.
1: I also really love the informed, like the basically informed consent to work. That they have to let you know what the risks are right. before they ask you to do something. And if they don't, that's yeah. negligence on their part. And I find that in all of these things like all of the ones that actually resulted in charges being upheld. It's, it's negligence. It's not maintaining your equipment. It's, it's extreme disregard of all of the safety features that were built in or that are, that are required of you to maintain.
0: Yeah. Well, when it costs money and there's no, uh, penalties essentially for, for not complying, you know, from a corporation's point of view, why would you do anything? You know, yeah,
1: it's easier to cut the corners and save the money. Yeah.
0: There's lost product productivity, but if you can handle that, what's, what's to stop you?
1: I, I did a little bit of when I, when I realized all of this stuff about our Canadian history over the last 20 years in this, I thought about what's it like in other places. So I started digging into that. And so I looked a little bit into the, the history of corporate liability, uh, particularly in, um, places like here so that have the kind of common law structure so that um, so looking at England the first uh, first kind of concept of corporate liability occurred in 1842 and uh, one of the ideas that was born from that is the doctrine of respondent superior so basically saying that the acts of a subordinate can be attributed to the corporation so anything that an employee or that a supervisor does could be attributed to the corporation and then that kind of progressed and and evolved uh, around 1915 to the directing mind principle which says that the senior officers the ones who have the capacity to exercise decision making in in how the work is performed and how the company operates those are the ones responsible for the acts that are committed by anyone in the company
0: that's the way it should be anybody who reasonably could have known and was reasonably able to take action to prevent something um, and some of these cases where I I, I went through the list of, of uh, convictions, and I didn't see too many. there was a few where it was just they didn't prevent it, but a lot of them were like willingly causing uh, hazardous situations like I mentioned the one where they removed the safety equipment, uh, sent people up on there's a few where they sent people up on scaffolding and just didn't provide any harnesses and the scaffolding collapsed and the person dies. A lot of these were just failure to supply safety equipment.
1: Yeah, and I mean like there are cases where some people decide they don't need the safety equipment and like make a personal choice, but realistically the people in charge of that work site should be saying, no, you wear the safety equipment or you don't work. Yeah, and some of these
0: mentioned no supervision on site either. You know, when you're doing dangerous work, you can't be working alone unless it's completely unavoidable. Yeah, when you're doing something potentially deadly. Yeah, it's just ridiculous uh, that safety equipment is not provided. And if someone's refusing to wear it, somebody should be there to say, you have to wear that,
1: you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I did find it interesting that places like China seem to have like almost no corporate liability for Injuries or or injustices that happen at work.
0: In a lot of third world countries, have never even heard of occupational health and safety. I would guess.
1: You mean the places where the children are picking the cocoa beans? Possibly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Building iPhones and whatnot. <laughs> the the children who were abducted from their homes first before like being sold into slave labor. But anyways, and then there's countries like Japan where they have more than 700 national corporate criminal provi- provisions, and they go so far as to say that not only do they have to do things. Um, that they have to follow all of these provisions, they also have to actively have policies that prevent their subordinates and employees from committing crimes while doing business. So, Which includes
0: health and safety, of course, but that's, right. that's financial fraud, that's everything, yeah.
1: Yeah, all kinds of crimes, not just not just crimes against, you know, a person's um, safety.
0: Yeah, so it's not just why didn't you prevent this or why didn't you know about this, is. Why didn't you actively prevent this from happening in the first place before you even thought it might be an issue, kind of thing?
1: Okay, and I found this thing. It's a word I don't know. I'm gonna attempt to pronounce it in Japanese. It's a German word.
0: Oh, German! Oh my God!
1: Yeah, I know, right? My
0: son speaks German. It's ridiculous. Okay, Some I'm gonna g- I'm gonna butcher this, <laughs> yeah. and
1: anyone listening, if you know how to properly pronounce this, please explain it to me. But anyways, the word is ordnung ordnung swidrig
0: Oh, ordnung swidrig Sweden. What?
1: <laughs> okay, German Why word. Why you just say so? Um, that basically refers to their elaborate, elaborate administrative sanctions and provisions on corporate criminal liability. And uh, one of the interesting things that comes out of their structure is the debate as to whether you can truly punish corporations because are they culpable? Can you blame them for the crimes? And can you punish them when you do decide they're culpable for the crimes?
0: Yeah, the idea of uh, corporations as people is an American uh, misinvention. uh, You know, if they're people, they can be charged and a lot of Canadian law and American law are similar. Uh, it's interesting, though, just to go on a totally side tangent, the idea that uh, that uh, corporations are people is actually an accident in a way, because anything in the court record can be used in a future court case. And the um, court, uh, what do you call it, transcriber, writing down, uh, down what the, what's happening in the court, uh, the judge was very specific that corporations are not people, but back then it was done by hand and the court recorder wrote in the margins, corporations are people, and that was cited in many cases later on and rolled into what we have today. Um, so they
1: completely taken out of context.
0: they It wasn't even part of the, of the hearing or the trial, the the ruling was completely different, but people would say, Hey, in this this case it's part of the court record that corporations are people and i guess it just wasn't thoroughly checked enough for people you you have to go back and find the physical document back then you can just google it Mm -hmm. and they're like oh well if it was determined or it's in the court record then that must be and it just built up uh from there so that's part of the huge mess in north american corporations right now as some unnamed court, court recorder uh writing his opinion in the margin i guess he was mm-hmm. probably just doodling when he was bored. It's like I just I don't know, corporations are people. He might have even been saying it sarcastically. Like, what the F? If huh. he would have put a little WTF if after that, maybe the world maybe would be a better place.
1: Something to think about later. Who knows? Yeah,
0: who knows? But anyway, um, yeah, that's why it's harder in other countries because you know, how do you charge or sue an entity, I guess, as opposed to a person? How do you say something yeah. that's mindless is culpable?
1: well and how do you you can't imprison them like you said earlier you can't uh, make them do community service I guess you can make them fund community service yeah
0: and there's that thing where you want to find them and make it hurt but you don't want to put you know a thousand people at a job be, because of one CEO you know making uh, poor decisions but you should be able to put that to CEO and freak in freaking prison and have someone else more responsible and that has a soul in their place
1: like, <laughs> someone with a soul yeah that's not a corporate gun so um so maybe maybe you are a corporate gun and you're listening to this and you're thinking uh that it doesn't doesn't really affect you but maybe you're thinking i could turn over a new leaf and i should ensure the safety of my workers so in
0: theory this could even apply to a trainer if you're doing peer mentoring you're technically not directing but you're advising they could twist into that and you know if the corporation were trying to offload blame onto somebody you know I bet mm-hmm. they, would, uh, they would go after the 10th conviction for this, <laughs> as long as it meant not them.
1: That's true. Scapegoating is a thing. Yeah. Um, but hopefully you're listening and thinking, what can I do to reduce my liability for the safety of my workers? And the, the things you can do are to know your legal obligations. So looking at your, your provincial uh health and safety laws and standards, looking at the Canada Labour Code and what those requirements are, particularly um, Section 2. Um, and also perhaps looking up um, Section 217 as the criminal labour code, because that's what we're talking about here. That was the result of the Westray law. Uh, you want to know what hazards are in your workplace and what could be developing over time as technology changes or as practices change and how you can reduce or eliminate those hazards and you want to honestly you want to have a functioning committee that looks at safety and whether you've got a collective agreement like we do that that spells out how that is um done through our what is that terms of reference that we use um whether you have that or not you know you want to have some workers and you want to have some management involved in looking at everything in your workplace on a regular basis. We like to do monthly inspections, but maybe you want to do them more or less often, depending on the risk factors involved. A
0: lot of the stuff we do now has come from this Westray law and the inquiries around it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though there's a sad, disgusting number of convictions and even a ridiculously low number of charges laid, there's a lot of good that has indirectly come out of this law. Um, Like the right to refuse. We don't know how many lives that saves. You know?
1: Yeah, that's true. And sometimes it seems like people use it frivolously, but realistically, if it means that you take another, even if it's everything turns out okay and it means that you take another look at the situation and run a couple of tests or whatever needs to be done and then determine that it is in fact safe, at least you made sure that it's safe before people went and got hurt.
0: Yeah. You know, in outside Canada Post too, a lot of times we use the right to refuse saying we're not going out and, you know, plus 50 or out in this the forest fire smoke that you can barely see through right. yeah but out- my
1: voice is messed up today yeah.
0: but outside of canada post it's also people saying you know I'm, I'm not opening or operating that rock crusher without a guard on it you know and no safety harness and you know a malfunctioning shut off switch that <laughs> happens you know it sounds yeah. ridiculous but that's the kind of thing employers still occasionally try and put through and hopefully this laws incur- discourages people And And, uh, and it's easy to
1: become complacent though. I mean, something is a little bit broken and you just keep using it and something gets a little bit more broken. complacency was kind of the standard before this. It was. And, and I mean, even in those workplace inspections, I mean, there was a time that I can recall doing workplace inspections and it seemed like it was a joke. And then, um, it was when we started working together on health and safety that we are, we finally said, you know what, this is a serious thing and Mm -hmm. people need to take it seriously.
0: The thing is too, we can get a large corporation, um, before this, you didn't really charge individuals, unless it was gross technology, you could theoretically charge a manslaughter, but an individual would just say, well, it's the corporation's policy. And if the corporation is, let's say run out of, you know, especially a different country, make it even harder say they run out of Chicago and you're a small plant manager in Oshawa, Ontario, or something like that, just to pick on car corporations. I don't know if they ever had any major problems, but I didn't see any, but you know, if you're in a plant, who do you charge? before this law, you know, the manager in the plant says, well, it's a, you know, we're run out of Chicago and the guys in Chicago say, well, we don't even know what's going on in Oshawa. The guy runs his own plant. You know, there's so much, there's so many ways to convolute the the issue.
1: Pass the blame.
0: Uh, yeah. And then, you know, in a, even in a big building, it's like, well, you know, I manage the office. So I don't know what's happening on the floor. Where do you, where do you put the blame? And this one just says, it doesn't matter. Anybody in the chain who probably should have reasonably should have known is is culpable for this the situation
1: yeah i guess in a way we're lucky though because we do we did come into a structure that was already built for us that gave us a venue to look at safety concerns and and the protections like the whistleblower thing and and the like the freedom to sit there in a meeting with management and say i disagree i think you're not doing enough to make us safe and i feel that you should do this this and this or that we should call in an expert and get their recommendations. Right. Remember when we demanded the air quality test at our depot and they were so resistant to it. They were resistant to giving us the results when they finally did it. Yeah. It and all ridiculous. we're saying
0: is, can you check if this is safe or not? Yeah. And they were just offended that we even asked, yeah. you know, but they did do it. Uh,
1: but this is what I'm saying. is, like, we are actually really lucky that we feel, um,
0: the, the empowered, to, the, do we, empowered
1: yeah. to do it empowered to do it we we're not we're not worried that we're going to lose our jobs over we're not worried that we're going to be retaliated against um i mean that, it, there's been times they've thanked us for drawing their attention to things and i mean there's been other times that they've resisted our requests look at the what was it, two months ago, when I said, well, you need to think about how we're dealing with the respiration issue over the summer because we know there's going to be fires. There's always fires. Every summer there's fires. And they went, well, we'll deal with it when it happens. And I said, well, could you please order some masks ahead of time so we can at least make that offer to people when they they, uh, say, hey, I don't want to go outside. And if the people want to do it, and they feel comfortable wearing the mask, give them the mask. Even if they only want to wear the mask to sort and they don't even want to go outside, give them the mask.
0: I'm surprised there's smoke.
1: Well, yeah, I was surprised at how quickly it happened after it's I asked. almost
0: as surprising how that Christmas thing pops up every year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and like the icy walkways.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. And
1: the freezing temperatures and the wind chill and the frostbite. It's like it's a new thing. Ah, frostbite. Whoever heard of it?
0: Please, uh your fuse. saves lives. <laughs> um it took unfortunately a deaths of twenty six minors for people to realize that maybe you should have a right to refuse, so you use it. It's there for a reason. We're um, not slaves. Everybody stay safe and uh be well so you can all do what's important to in life, like listen to us next week or next time we get back whenever our messed up schedule gets back online.
1: After you get home to your family safe. That's right. let's have a good fortnight. All right. All right, have a good, you're done, right? Yeah.